The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic as well. I have a nickname. Someday I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, we are back, everybody. Cancel Too Soon took a bit of an unexpected hiatus for pretty much the month of April. We are sorry about that. Uh, uh, times are really weird right now. We are introducing new podcasts to both our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Also, uh, here on the main feed, we had our new show, Episode Zero. Um, and uh, we were trying to figure out just sort of the future of the network and uh, cancel too soon, unfortunately, got pushed a little bit aside. And we really cannot wait to get back rolling on this. We are yeah, back it's, it's, with an episode that was voted on by our patrons. And uh, it's a really exciting show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cancel too soon. Not gone. We're back. We're, oh, yeah. we're, we're here. We're going to continue to make this show because we love it. We love this show. Uh, it just so happens that the, the this show landed in our laps Right when it did, and also that it's a long one. Yeah, really uh, long. You know, we we can we we'll watch a pilot perhaps in the time little time we have these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty two one hour episodes a little more difficult. So it's that actually was more like twenty three. That was so, also one of that was also another factor. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, so we apologize for the delay, but let's jump right back in. Uh, in retrospect, we should have seen this happening because I don't know about you, but Whitney and I had. A flash forward. Thursday, 8, 7 central. The entire world will black out for two minutes and 17 seconds. I didn't just lose consciousness. It felt like I was having a memory only of the future. Same thing happened to me. I was getting a prenatal sonogram. I don't even have a boyfriend. I was with another man. I've never seen him before. I saw a glimpse of my future, and everything's changed for me now. In my flash forward, I was investigating what caused all this. The places I saw on the board, they were part of this puzzle. The whole world's on pins and needles, people. Find out what caused this. Thursday. We know you were planning an attack. Tell me what happened. Everyone will be asking. Seven billion people caught a glimpse of the future. How do we compare seven billion stories? How did this happen? You have to see this. What am I looking at here? Just hang on a second. Right there. Look right there. ABC's Flash Forward. New series premiere Thursday, 8, 7 central on ABC. Flash Forward. (laughs) Oh, golly, I hate your humor. (laughs) Uh, Flash Uh, Forward is a sci-fi television series that aired on ABC from September 24th, 2009 to May 27th, 2010. It was co-created by folks like David Goyer, who you probably know as the creator of Freaky Links and Sleepwalkers, the series. Also, he wrote Blade and Batman Begins. Uh, And it was also co-created by Brandon Braga, who uh, wrote for shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, 
24, The Orville, and it is based on a book, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, a, what a book. A Canadian book. Uh, <laughs> Makes all the difference. Well, Robert J. Sawyer uh, wrote... Uh, he's a, a hugely prolific science fiction author. He's worked mm. in movies and TV. And he is the mastermind behind Charlie Jade. No shit. I didn't he even know did, that. Yep, he did the, the series Bible oh, for Charlie no. Jade. We Charlie, did Charlie Jade a couple of years ago and canceled yeah. too soon. I didn't even put that Charlie, together. Charlie Jade, which was this like parallel universe drama mm. where people were leaping back and forth between three different parallel universes. Yeah, a hard-boiled and... detective gets pulled into a parallel reality, and it turns mm. out there's at least three parallel realities where people keep hopping back and forth between them. A lot of That's interesting ideas did not work. Really, really convoluted show. And I think that convolutedness unfortunately is also a big part of flash forward mm. however uh i th- i and i credit this to brandon braga just because i know his work from <laughs> star trek uh brandon braga is a really interesting writer he wrote for he wrote the better episodes of star trek the next generation he always wrote like the weird psychedelic episodes like in this episode we learn data has nightmares like that kind of thing yeah uh and um you know, Riker is gonna go crazy in this one. It turns out everything. The the quote the everything is a hallucination episode was usually Bron and Braga. He does those kinds of freaky horror centric episodes. Yeah. And you can tell because he worked on Star Trek that he is interested in sort of the a lot of the thought more thoughtful ideas within science fiction rather than just merely scenario. Yeah. Uh flash forward has both. Flash Forward is a hugely complicated show based on kind of an interesting premise. Well, and what works about it is that the premise is actually very simple. Mm-hmm. How people respond to it is very, very complicated. Yeah, a, lot, a, lot of the dra- a lot of interesting drama can come from uh, a pretty easy pitch. So uh, you may have gleaned it from uh, the clip we just played for you, but in case you didn't, uh, the basic idea is this. At one point, it's in the like, middle of the day in October... Uh, every single person on the planet blacks out for about two and a half minutes. It's two minutes and 17 seconds. Yeah. And, uh, of course, no one was ready for this, so a lot of horrible things happened. Oh. Car crashes, plane crashes, all sorts people, of disasters. Yeah, a lot, a people, lot of people died on an operating table. Some people just fell downstairs. Yeah, yeah. It's just, a lot of people died, but a lot of people did survive. And uh, Everyone who survives says they shared the same experience. They all got a vision of their future. Very specifically, Two minutes and 17 seconds of their future of what they were doing on April 29th at 10 p.m. In 2010, yeah, the yeah, following April. The following April, like six months from now. So imagine all of a sudden you black out, and then when you wake up, you know exactly where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing so, in six months. Okay, so right, right there... You have like a whole season of TV because and, yeah. we've been introduced to a couple characters. A lot of characters. But uh, putting aside for who all these characters are for now, you get to go through every single one of your characters and explain what they saw and how they reacted to it. And that's going to take up a lot of screen time. And it's really interesting because they get to see how like how they feel about it. Yeah. My favorite is Courtney B. Vance's story. Oh, it's great. And we'll talk but, about that in a minute. <laughs> um, the The... There's a couple of things with this. One, I I feel like this is a great premise because anyone can do this. Like, anyone can imagine, like, oh, God, what would I see in six months? Mm. Imagine, what what was the original date? Like, October 6th? I think so, Like, imagine October 6th. All of a sudden, you had an image of what was going to happen for just a couple of minutes on April 29th. And all of a sudden, 
everyone is locked indoors and there's a huge national pandemic. <laughs> How would you behave differently yeah, for yeah. the next six months? These are interesting questions. Well, and, and of course, it immediately goes to bigger questions in terms of uh, destiny and free will. Uh, yeah. Are those things definitely going to happen or are they not going to happen? Can we prevent them from mm-hmm. happening? How do we cause them to happen if we want that thing to happen? Essentially, and this is the thing that I think works best about the show. Mm-hmm. What we are doing is we are thrusting every single human being on the planet simultaneously into their own Greek tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Now, some, it's great. It's some a people, great idea. Some people have banal flash forwards. Mm. Saw myself when I was working. Mm. I was in, I was asleep. Mm. You know. Some people have flash forwards that they are have trouble explaining. Like, wait a minute, I was pregnant, but I'm not dating anyone, and I'm gay. So a lot's gonna happen in the interim uh, here. Like I don't know how like they I, deal with this. I was I was like naked in a very l- loving position with someone who is not my husband. Yeah, yeah, like these are big deals. Some people didn't see anything, mm. and they think that means that they're going to die before April 29th, which is also mm. a harrowing thought. And uh, and just to get to it right away, Courtney B. Vance, who plays the head of the FBI, has the most banal uh, yeah. flash forward. He uh, he, when the blackout occurs, he's on the t- he's sitting on the toilet. Yeah, he's, he's just reading a newspaper on a toilet, and he just sort of passes out, and he's on the toilet. And his flash forward, he's also on the toilet. Because <laughs> yeah, you'd be there at, at a random. I'm sure a lot of people flash forward to a time when they're just sort of like taking yeah. a nap or on the body. Well, they talk about this like everyone uh, passed out at the same time across the world. Mm. People are in different time zones all across the world, and like yeah. one of the things that they talk about is because one of the, there are a couple of questions everyone's trying to answer. One. Is the future that we saw real? Mm. If it is, can it be changed? These are good questions. Also, what caused the blackout? Will the blackout happen again? While they're trying to figure out what caused the blackout, there's a really funny bit in an episode where they're having like Senate hearings to sort of justify all of the investigations that are going on about the blackout. Mm. This one makes sense. This one we shouldn't keep funding, yada, yada, yada. There's a guy who goes up in the Senate hearing. We never see him before again. He's just like, and uh, what do you think? What's your investigation? What do you think caused the blackout? And he's just like, China. Why? (laughs) They they, happened to them too. Ah, yes, but they had infinitely fewer casualties. Because when it happened, it was like four in the morning in China and everyone was asleep. (laughs) And he's just like, pretty convenient, huh? And they're just like, all right, maybe. Send them away. (laughs) Pretty thin. Send them away. Um, But uh, so we meet a wide cavalcade of characters, not unlike the show Lost. But although Lost had a similar storytelling structure in that every single episode, the story would move forward, but we'd learn more about the characters through flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Flash forward works the opposite way. We learn more about them through flash forwards. Mm -hmm. This is also a gimmick that Lost would do in later seasons where we would start seeing what people were doing when they got off the island, even though we don't know everyone who did or how they did it. And yeah, who survived. The flashback structure on Lost, though, was a contrivance. They used that to protract certain uh, details. Mm -hmm. Uh, You made me watch a few episodes of Lost, and I I just couldn't get into it. But uh, I remember there was one episode, uh, the the, um, Terry O'Quinn character. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Locke was his name. Yeah, uh, he lands on the island he on and he seems island. like the great hunter who's going to yeah. save and, them all. And Total he's, badass. And he's running around and uh, there's this whole episode where we get to see like flashbacks of where he was before he was on the plane. And they're able to film it in such a way that we only see him from like the shoulders up. Yeah. And at the very end of that episode, it's revealed that he was confined to a wheelchair. Before uh, the plane before crash. Before the plane crash. And, and one, the plane once crash, the plane crashes, he can walk around. He can walk around. 
that could have been handled in a single scene in the pilot where he's mm-hmm. like, this is really weird. I couldn't walk before. I was on a wheelchair getting on the plane and now I'm not. Okay, it's but a silly But he keeps it a secret. No, no, and, hang you know, on, hang on. It's a, okay, A, he doesn't know anyone there. Okay. B, why would they believe him? Mm. B, uh, it's a serialized story. We have all the time in the world. Why not get some juice oh, out of that? God, why, why throw that away in a quick conversation? Why not enjoy that plot point? And really sell it and, and show you get how mag- point of this show, show you how magical it is for him. At that right. point in the series, we didn't know there was anything supernatural going on yet. No, so that was our first right. indication. I think that episode's better I, than you're giving me credit for. But I, I do the, agree that the storytelling is fine. Their choice to withhold so much information and then drip it out so slowly is frustrating. I agree with that, and that's something that doesn't work over time. Okay. Um, as Lost went on, we started realizing that they're obfuscating. Well, unduly. I thought that they were obfuscating. It's just that not every flashback is interesting. Yeah. I think the first season, pretty much every flashback is mm. really interesting because we're subverting expectations. Mm. We're introducing new. Lot elements. Second season, there's still a few things we're interested in. We'll get to it. Mm. But by like season three, it starts to suck. And yeah. even the writers had said by the time we did an episode that was all about why Jack got one of his tattoos, we realized that we had nothing left in the flashbacks. Mm. <laughs> there was yeah. like nothing else going on, and we were kind of locked into it though as a framing device. Flash forward doesn't have that, where like every episode we see someone's flash forward and deal with it. But it is something they rely on constantly. Mm. Is how are people's flash forwards going to affect how they behave now? Hmm. Now, let's talk about the cast and let's talk about each of their flash forwards. This show is not episodic, so it's going to be really difficult to sort of uh, well, discuss I, it chronologically, so but we'll, we'll do the best we can. But I let's introduce everyone. We can go, we can go through characters. This is one of those, it's like a soap opera where we can mm-hmm. go through like each character's arc. The, yeah. the main character is uh, Joseph Fiennes. Um, uh, played by uh, Mark, he, Joseph Fiennes, as you know, mm-hmm. he played Shakespeare in Shakespeare in Love. Uh, he mm-hmm. plays an FBI special agent named Mark Benford. Uh, he is a recovering alcoholic. Uh, and in his flash forward, he saw A, he's drinking again, B, his marriage is on the rocks and see he's investigating the flash forward and he sees this like giant like bulletin board out of the usual suspects with all of the care all everything connected with pieces of yarn so sort of when thing. he yeah. so when he reemerges back in our, his own time he starts spearheading the investigation using clues that he doesn't know why he has those clues yet yeah he, he remembers like names and stuff so he starts investigating those names it's a really interesting takeoff I, I if i were to guess i would say this is probably inspired by a great philip k dick story called paycheck mm. which is turning to to a very bad movie starring Ben Affleck that missed the point. But uh, in Paycheck, a guy uh, agrees to do uh, uh, some scientific work under uh, two conditions. Uh, one, he'll get a lot of money when he gets out, he'll be set for life. And two, they will erase his memory so he'll never know what he did because mm-hmm. it's so top secret. Right. And he agrees to this. And when he emerges like a year or two later after the, everything and he's, his mind is erased, he discovers that... It's like in a safe deposit box he left a clue for himself? No, 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 or? it's not that. He said, I don't want any of the money. I want a safe deposit box with these items in it. Oh, that's And the right. items that's include right, yeah. like a paper clip, half a poker chip, mm. a red bandana. And he does, he's like, what the f- fuck was I thinking? <laughs> and what he discovers is that every single one of these seemingly insignificant items is literally something he would trade everything he owned for yeah. to have in a specific moment. Like, oh, if I had a paperclip right now, I could like escape from these handcuffs and get out of this terrible life or death mm. situation. And what he discovers is that he had something to do with time travel or looking into the future mm. and this other version of himself that is mm. now gone, he starts treating like God. Like, 
I had a vision for my future and I'm going to trust in myself. Yeah. And that's something that Joseph Fiennes has to deal with. Do I trust myself? Do I trust my investigation? Mm. Or do I question every part of it? Right. That's yeah. interesting. Mm. Um, he has a partner uh, named uh, Dimitri No, played by John Cho. Yay! Great actor. National John treasure, Cho. John Cho. John Cho is one of those people who saw nothing and mm. he quickly discovers that uh, other people had visions that reveal he'll die. He'll be murdered on March 15th. And he is engaged to Gabrielle Union, who Gabrielle plays a Union. lawyer. Yeah, this is a great cast, by the way. This really incredible that. cast. Gabrielle Union plays a lawyer. Uh, they are engaged. And she's confused because she had a flash forward of their wedding. Mm. Oh, well, shit. Uh, well, well, in, in a flash forward. <laughs> we learned more about the flash forwards. But she's convinced she saw her wedding. Okay, there, Several flash forwards aren't exactly what they appeared to be. Mm. Because they're out of context. Uh, we have Courtney B. Vance, who we already said. He's Joseph Fine's boss. He had a dream that he was on the toilet. I love Courtney B. Vance. He's so he is great. such a good actor. Uh, yeah. uh, we have uh, Sonia Walger as uh, Dr. Olivia Benford. He's Joseph, uh, she's Joseph Fine's wife. Uh, she do, you suppose, is, do you suppose her name was a, a reference to Olivia Benson from Law & Order? I don't know. It's got to be. I don't know. I don't uh, watch Law & Order. I don't know how significant. Is that like the most Mar- iconic character? Mariska Hargitay from oh, SVU. Yeah. maybe. Uh, in any case, she's, uh, she's a surgeon. Uh, she's married to Joseph Fiennes. They have a daughter together. And in her flash forward, she saw herself in bed with another man who she had never met. Mm, some British dude. Yeah, it's their house. She's in sexy negligee. And when she's, and all she remembers is that when she looked at him, she was in love. <laughs> this isn't just like looking at things. This is like getting a memory from the future, but yeah. you have no context for it. Uh, let's see. Uh, the uh, she, Her uh, fellow doctor... Uh, is Dr. Bryce Varley. Uh, he's played by Zachary Knighton. And just before the blackout hit, he was ready to kill himself. He had a gun and everything, and he was about to do it. And uh, when the flash forward is over, he decides not to do that. Because, as we quickly learn, uh, he he's dying of cancer. So that's why he was uh, mm-hmm. ready to end his own life. He was told there was no hope. All right. But it turns out in seven months, not only is he around, but he's met the love of his life. A Japanese woman he's never met. Mm-hmm. Also, he's speaking Japanese, a language he doesn't know. <laughs> now, that would, put, that would put pressure on me. It's like, <sighs> I, I gotta get to know oh, this shit. pretty well. Uh, let's see, let's move on. No. Uh, we've got uh, 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 Joseph Fines and um, uh, his wife's uh, uh, babysitter, uh, Nicole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is uh, uh, played by Peyton List. Uh, she has a memory of being drowned. Someone is murdering her. And what's more, she is so Catholic, she assumes she did something to deserve it. And she's really <laughs> struggling with that, yeah, which I think yeah. is an interesting uh, little twist on that. Mm. Uh, we have another FBI agent, Janice Hawk, played by Christine Woods. She uh, has a flash forward of her getting an ultrasound and finding out that she's going to have a girl. Here's the problem. She's not pregnant and she's gay. Yeah. She's not even dating anyone. So she's very confusing. Um, her, and her arc is quite interesting. Her arc yeah. is very interesting. Uh, we also have uh, Joseph Fine's AA sponsor, played by Brian F. O'Byrne, a character named Aaron Stark. Uh, Aaron Stark... Uh, his daughter died in Afghanistan. She was in the Marines, I think. Um, but in his flash forward, she's, she's alive. alive. Yeah. And, and he's that's she, also and very confusing. She, and, and he's in another country and she's injured and he's like yeah. at, at her bedside. It's yeah, this is a really very confusing yeah. image. And there are two scientists, uh, Dr. Lloyd Simcoe, played by Jack Davenport. Um, he has a he's the, actually the person in uh, Olivia's dream. 
and Olivia's uh, flash mm. forward, but he doesn't see her. So he doesn't know whose house he's in or he's who just he's in love some with. Stranger's house. Yeah, yeah. So he's he doesn't get anything useful out of it. Um, and uh, then of course there is Dr. Simon Campos, played by <laughs> I think I think Dr. Simon Campos is named after the restaurant in L.A. Uh, it's I a very LA so. show. Compost, yeah. They shoot all over Los Angeles. You can really recognize mm-hmm. a lot of spots. Uh, Com- Compost is like the best burritos in Los Angeles. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Dr. Sam Compost is played by a uh, lost uh, co-star, Dominic Monaghan. Uh, he's a quantum physicist, and in his flash forward, he's choking someone to death. Kill, killing a guy. Killing a guy. And of course, practically every other character we meet, we find out what their flash yeah, no. forward was. It's, it's become the new getting to know you thing. Like, mm-hmm. what'd you see? Yeah, it's like the yeah. pickup line. Yeah. Uh, throughout the first five or six episodes, yeah. it's just getting all of that in place. Pretty much. Who these people, because that's a lot of characters. It is. But this is a global thing, and I like that they're taking this sort of big idea uh, at, at face value. What mm-hmm. would happen lar- like at the world to the world at large if yeah. this did happen on a global scale? Yeah. And how would people react? How would their personalities change? They'd be thinking about this a lot. They'd be in the news a lot. Getting all of that groundwork, usually I'd, I'd, I'd bristle at like spending too much time getting the groundwork in place. But we already have the groundwork. That's a simple elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. The pilot and, is very efficiently yeah, written. Like, they have all these characters. Yeah, some we know more than others. A few aren't introduced until mm-hmm. later, but... They all get their time. We all get a sense of them. Some of them will surprise you. Some of them I thought were going to go in a darker place mm. than they did or vice versa. But uh, we also introduced the whole premise. We introduced this whole FBI task force that was going to drive the mm. story. It's a good pilot. Like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a it's tough a thing to set up and, and they do it. And because they spent so much time setting everything up, by the time it gets into the actual nitty gritty nuts and bolts of like the story and the technicals of what was going on with the flash forwards... Mm-hmm frankly the less interesting part of the show yeah. uh, you're already kind of into it because you know these characters pretty well yeah. and they occasionally would stop and do other freaky things uh, yeah there, there and- are various other I love that they don't just like say like and then this happened and then there was an investigation mm. we see how this affects culture a lot we see how this affects people's spirituality mm. there's a whole group that pops up kind of like that hellraiser straight to video sequel debtor <laughs> where all of the people sort of like who fate cultists well all of these people who saw nothing in their flash forward and it quickly becomes a consensus that that means you die before april 29th they start meeting at underground parties and it's like well fuck it we're gonna die anyway who wants to play Russian roulette yeah yeah and like in order to get into that party they have to like infiltrate it because they think they have a lead down there the FBI agents have to go Mm. in and it turns out playing Russian roulette is the way to get into the party and like one of the people who does it has to do it and one of the guys just like well I'm alive in my flash forward so okay it can't be me yeah yeah. click (laughs) but it's really suspenseful because we don't Mm. know yet if the future can be changed what kind of time travel type story is this? Is this a story where mm-hmm. the future is set in stone and nothing we do can change mm-hmm. anything? Is it a proper Greek tragedy? Or, mm-hmm. indeed, is the future mutable? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll so, say this, yeah, Flash Forward kind of gets to have it both ways. They come up with a clever way around it. Uh, they, they come up with a clever way around it. Um, it's... <sighs> It's when they introduced the ring that it lost me. And we'll oh, get to yeah, the they, ring. Yeah, uh, the ring's so kind of a thing. We learn uh, there, there's this shadowy cabal of people who seem to know a lot more about uh, the flash forwards than they let on. The, in, the FBI does find a video of somebody walking around 
during the flash forward when yeah. the entire planet was blacked out. Near as they can tell, the so, only human being on the planet who didn't black so out. So they have to find this guy because either he's special, he knows something about mm-hmm. how this operates. Or and, he uh, did it. Or yeah, somehow maybe, maybe he's he did it. So we know that there's somebody out there who knows what's going on, and there's a lot of shadowy criminals. And uh, it turns out Dominic Monaghan might have might know some of these guys. Yeah, Ricky Ricky J, J, J is shows up. Yeah, Ricky J is in like three episodes as this guy is like, okay, uh, he has this wonderful line of dialogue where he first appears like, okay, I'm gonna, I know you guys know about this stuff, and I'm the tough guy. Now, why am I going to do this? Why am I going to torture you? Picture the most money you could fit in a warehouse. Now, double it, and that's what I'm getting. That's a very <laughs> David Mamet kind of line. It really does. It feels like it came out of a different story, but in a good yeah. way. Yeah, and uh, yeah. And, it, and of course, it turns out that there is a shadowy cabal of people that also involves Billy Drago. And uh, It's not Billy and, Drago. It's the guy who looks like Billy Drago. No, it is Billy Drago, no, isn't it? No, it's not. I, th- I could have sworn it was Billy no, Drago. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's Michael Massey. I will grant you. Damn it, I thought it was Billy Drago. He died a few years ago. Uh, Uh, You may remember him uh, from Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Uh, He was also Fun Boy in in the movie The Crow. He looks uncannily like Billy Drago. Okay. Every time it's, I see him in a movie, I assume he's Billy Drago. I give I, you this. I apologize. <laughs> I thought it was actually Billy Drago. It's like, oh, it's the guy from Briscoe County Jr., Billy Drago. Yeah. No. He's just one of those. Okay. One of those guys guy. looks just like another guy. Okay. But it, yeah, it turns out he he was like this weird sort of dark mastermind, and he'll get involved in like a, a, a machine from the movie Saw. Uh, oh, that machine. That, that machine <laughs> killed me. There's a plot point later on that's so fucking yeah, stupid. The, the, plot, the plot points in Involving the actual, and and of course, there's a a magical ring involved. It's not magical; it's science, but it might as well be magical. It's a magical ring, and they put it on Dominic Monaghan, who was also in Lord of the Rings, wasn't he? Oh God, they do. You're right. Yeah, so they he never gets the ring in Lord of the Rings, though. Uh, No, but you know the association is there. No, no, it's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, so uh, So so there's there's this weird kind of magical thing. All of that stuff, which they spend way too much time on, Uh it's. It's only interesting because we get to inter- we're introduced to a lot of interesting characters yeah. like Ricky Jay, like yeah. not Billy Drago, like Shuri Agdajlu shows up. Oh and my I gosh, love she's so great! And I love Shuri Agdajlu. Oh my god, I love that her like Shuri Agdajlu. If you don't know the name, uh, Academy Award nominee for the House of Sand and Fog. She's this incredible Persian actress, and uh, she has she's the got, best voice she's, in cinema. They even yeah. it's even a plot point in the show because they don't know who she is, but they heard her on the phone. It's like. How many people in this area can possibly have that voice? Yeah. Let's just ask, hey, who do you know who sounds like Eartha Kitt? <laughs> and, like, so, she does. She sounds like Eartha yeah. Kitt. She's got this incredible, uh-huh. like, she's got so much personality. It's, it sounds like she smoked, like, three packs a day, but I hope she didn't. No, no I think I think she just has a really cool, deep voice. Yeah. She's also a very good actress. She's an incredible actor. Cool. I love her a lot. And uh, she's really, really good. And she's only in, like, two and a half episodes. Mm. But... Um, and, we're, and we're also introduced to uh, Lee Garlington if, from... Uh, um, uh, sneakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, uh, she she gets to play a, a, an evil a bad guy in this towards the end. Towards the end, uh, but mm. yeah, she she shows up as like a CIA operative mm. who's trying to induct one of the FBI let's, agents. Let's 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 start trying to unravel this. And it's, again, yeah. it's really tricky because every episode intertwines a whole bunch of different storylines. So let's try to focus on mm. just one or two storylines at a time, and let's maybe start. With a storyline that doesn't connect to a lot of other things, so it's pretty mm. easy to do. Let's talk about uh, Dr. Bryce Varley and Nicole Kirby. Mm. Uh, Dr. Bryce, uh, once again, is the guy who had cancer and found out he's going to be alive in six months and in love with a Japanese woman he's never met. Mm. 
And uh, Nicole is, uh, she's 19. She doesn't know what she's going to do with her life. She just knows she's going to be drowned in se- seven months. Uh, they both have this complete like turnaround in their life. He was in utter despair. And now he feels like there is fate. I'm going to make it, at least as far as, as April. Yeah. And I'm going to achieve true happiness. And the future had things in store for me I did not know. And he starts becoming just incredibly peaceful. And I love actually how he starts incorporating flash forwards into his work because people will tell him like, oh, I had this flash forward where this was happening to me in the future. And also on now, also all of a sudden I'm black and this is this really scrawny white dude. And he starts realizing when, oh, wait a minute, that could be a skin condition. We mm. can't give him this, this like certain medication or it could kill him because he clearly has this particular like unusual disease. Mm. And I'm like, Okay, that's clever. It's clever, but um, you have a vision of the future, and of course that starts calling like fate into question and free will into question. And uh, you would think having this shared experience would might even have a much more profound impact on mm-hmm. the day-to-day living of the human race. Well, you got to realize this idea that the future is indeed set in stone mm. or there's at least a version of it. Here's here's where I think I, I think a couple of things with this. Mm. Uh one, you got to remember uh a not everyone had a flash forward, some people were just asleep. No. Uh uh b, a lot of people's flash forwards are going to be pretty banal, just by chance, yeah, uh, and so they're probably not. Their mind isn't completely blown by it, and maybe it's something they can just write off and not think about. Mm. Uh, for every person who has like, a, oh my god, I got remarried. What happened? Like, there's someone who is just like, like oh, Courtney that, Vance. That I was, was a, I was on the can. I yeah. had a mediocre sandwich. Like that's <laughs> not really gonna. That's not really impressive or gonna blow your mind. Um, people are eager to find normality. People want mm. to try to adjust to whatever they're dealing with or they want to reject whatever they're dealing with if it's unpleasant and try to go back to the way things were even if it means putting their head in the sand and being Mm. stupid uh by the way there's a pandemic right now and there are people who are like taking to the streets because because they're bored because because like oh no i can't get a haircut Mm. i don't give a shit (laughs) stay home people are dying for christ's sake like these are things that we should you'd think that this sort of experience would make everyone in the country just sort of realize, I have to count my blessings. Maybe we need to rethink the way that this uh, society is structured a bit so that when the next time a crisis like this happens, it's not such a jarring shock to the system. Uh, clearly, people need to get paid more. Clearly, we need to have more uh, services in place. All of these things we should be doing, and there's a significant, I don't think huge, but significant portion of the society who is perfectly willing to just try to go back to normal, even if it means, yeah, a bunch of us will die. So I don't just, have just enough the, faith in humanity yeah. to think that everyone's going to uh, go through a religious well, experience. It's like uh, it's like the movie Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, oh, so we're we're just going to go out and catch ghosts. Ghosts are just a thing. Look, it's like New, okay, New Yorkers wait, wait will get minute, used have, to it. You have you have like actual scientific evidence of life after death. You don't think that would like profoundly shake the world to its core? Apparently not. Yeah, <laughs> people get used to it, dude. Last month, the FBI pre- or like whatever it was, they just pretty much admitted that UFOs are real. Well, I knew that. Well, we all knew that, but dude, you can't. Here's the deal: you can't have the X Files anymore. No, no, you just really can't. can't. Like this whole thing, like, and they they're trying to keep it from us because the truth is out there and it'll totally mess with their minds. And then the government just says aliens are real. Everyone's like, we don't care. We want. We're on Twitter. Yeah. Like it's weird. Yeah. 
how people respond to things now. That is the the sense of gravitas you'd think they'd have. Mm. It's all missing. So in any case, this guy has a profound spiritual experience. He starts living by flash forwards as almost a new form of faith. Um, and also uh, Nicole uh, starts trying to figure out what to do with her life. And she's because she thinks that she's going to die for something she did. Because mm. she dies feeling guilty. Uh she decides she needs to do nice things, and so she actually starts volunteering at the hospital where Dr. Bryce and uh, Olivia work. Mm -hmm. And her and Bryce form a connection. Uh, she recognizes some of the things in, like, the sketches he's making of his flash forward. She mm -hmm. happens to speak Japanese. So she knows what, like, certain characters he recognizes. And also she starts teaching him Japanese, mm -hmm. since he knows he's going to have to do that anyway. Uh, eventually, we meet the woman in Bryce's vision. Her name is Keiko. She's played by uh, Yuko Takeuchi, who is... Really great. Uh, really great. Also, like, we don't know her here in America, but she is a huge celebrity in Japan. Oh, she's made a ton yeah, of movies. Yeah. She's made a ton of TV, ton of movies, yeah. and uh, evidently she was, like, a really choice get ah. for this series. Like, the, That's cool, man. There's even a special feature of, like, her coming to America for the first time <laughs> on the DVDs. Like, it's, really it's cool. kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, her whole thing is she studied engineering and got a job at a big company, but it's still incredibly sexist over there in the, in the show at any rate. And so even though she's at, overqualified for the job she has, they also expect her to serve tea because only a woman can do that. And they're not going to hire another woman just to serve tea. Never, never mind that she's like a way better engineer than most of these guys. So she actually starts doing things in order to sabotage her future there so she can't fall back on it. Like she starts getting visible tattoos and shit. Mm. And eventually she's like, fuck it. I, I like music. I'm going to get my guitar. I'm going to go to America and I'm going to have me an adventure. <laughs> and it starts turning into that movie like Till There Was You with like Dylan McDermott. Oh, and I, um, I, I forgot oh, that what's movie. What's her name? Uh, Gene Triplehorn, Triple yeah, where the yeah. whole thing is we know that they're gonna meet, but they're always like just missing each other. I think they did it in that movie Serendipity too, where like or or, no, or, or American or American Tale, like oh no, I'm so go. close to finding my parents again. So like ha the second half of the season, these two are always almost running mm. into each other, but not quite. And her adventures are it's like they clearly couldn't get her in the room with like the rest of the cast at the same time. Yeah. So her entire story arc is completely divorced from the rest of the series. It's actually pretty good though. It's I like how like well it, again it, it gives this sense that this is happening globally and this is happening all mm -hmm. around the world and it will affect many different people's lives in different ways and it serves to distract from the stupider parts of the show that's true there's some really yeah. stupid parts of the show uh, but while uh, uh, Bryce is looking for her and at one point he even goes to Japan to find her and he even tracks her down to her house but it's right after she rejected like her mother's like ethos and said I'm not going to marry the person you're trying to set me up with yeah so when he says, I'm looking for Keiko, um, I, I have something really important to tell her. Mom says, I have no daughter. And you're like, no! Oh, that sucks! So he comes back to America and he starts falling for Nicole. And then towards the end of the series, Nicole finds out that Keiko is in America and she doesn't tell him for a while. Not for forever. It takes her a couple of days, but enough that it's a real problem. Hmm. And then on the last day, the last episode of the series takes place on April 29th. Everything has come to this. Hmm. We're going to find out if everyone's flash forward comes true or not. Uh, she tells him, and he's hurt. 
and he decides to go to the place where he knows that uh, he's going to uh, meet her. And indeed, he does meet Keiko. And they have this instant connection, and it's really beautiful. Mm. And she feels really guilty for almost ruining his life, or potentially ruining his life. She doesn't know that he actually found her. Mm. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then her car careens off a road and into a lake. And instead of being drowned, someone was trying to save her. And the guilt she was feeling wasn't over anything that she was being murdered for. It was just this guy she loved, she screwed him over because she was being selfish. It's a good little story. It's, it's, yeah. If that was the whole story, that it's, would be a perfectly good... That's a, there's a movie there. It's also really... You can tell that the, the writers thought it out. Yeah. It's not one of those things where, uh, um, like, J.J. Uh, Abrams, the, the, yeah. another lost conceit, where he yeah. sets things in motion and then just hands it off to somebody else. It's like, okay, here's all the mysteries. Deal with it. Like, well, what it's happens like, in it? I don't know. I don't know, but that's a good setup, right? It's like he has a good idea for a no, good scene. They literally talk about that, like out. when they talk about creating loss. It was just like, okay, I have Jay Jeremy's coming. Like, I have this idea where, like, they're in the they're in the woods and they're mm-hmm. hunting for boars or whatever, and they find in the ground a metal hatch, and they're like, ooh, what's in the hatch? Jay Jeremy's like, won't it be interesting to find out? No, and I'm like. Okay, but we can't write that until we know what it is, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, they did. Now, when, when he did that with uh, uh, something like Star Wars, that mm. was a little different, I think, because he he told the story. It did finish, yeah, and he just sort of said, "And what's going to happen next?" And somebody else ran with it. I thought they ran with it in an interesting way. A lot mm. of people didn't like that. Some people thought the the Last Jedi like betrayed the original. It's like no, it doesn't contradict anything. It just no. doesn't take it to the conclusion you expected. That's JJ Abrams writing, right? in Rise of Skywalker. He's the one who actually. Contradicted the previous mm-hmm. film and said everything we learned was bullshit. Yeah, yeah. fuck you. But uh, here, but, but here, here, this feels planned out. It, feel, it feels planned out. Like they actually had a context in mind. That it's not. They're not tricking you. They're just sort of mm-hmm. writing it in a clever way. Um, okay, so next up, uh, another person whose arc is pretty much self-contained. We've mm-hmm. got Aaron Stark, uh, Joseph Fine's uh, sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, he's just there as sort of a support for Joseph Fine's. Uh, he finds out his daughter is alive when he, th- he thought she was dead. Mm. And so he tries to have her exhumed. Maybe there was a mistake when they brought over her remains. She was in uh, 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 she was in like a Humvee that got like blown up mm. and, you know, it was all charred and maybe a mistake was made. Mm. But they dig her up. Not there's no. It seems like she's just dead. Yeah. And then she's just in his house. <laughs> She just comes home and she's missing a leg and she says, uh, I saw a like a mercenary group, you know, one of those like yeah. private armies that uh, United States has funded in the Middle East. Bad idea. But I saw them massacre a whole town and like I told my superior officer about it. And the next thing you know, we're being attacked by friendly fire. Mm-hmm. So when I got left for dead, I didn't come home and I let it happen because... Clearly, mm. there's a fucking problem. Um, the problem is, in order to deal with her paranoia, her depression, she's become an alcoholic, and now she's living with her dad, who's a recovering alcoholic, and that leads to actually some <laughs> pretty good tension. A, sp- a sponsor, yeah. It's a pretty good tension there. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, he is so eager to tell everyone his daughter is alive, he kind of lets it slip to anybody, like an idiot. And he tells a guy who is very clearly in on the conspiracy, and she's kidnapped, and she's taken to Afghanistan. And that's when we find out that in addition to being a recovering alcoholic and an ex-Marine, he was in jail for some, like, violent, like, Really, really shady and, shit, yeah. And uh, so he's like, he calls Joseph Fines, and he's just like, 
I'm going off the grid to go to war mm. with like a paramilitary group. Uh, you're gonna need to find a new sponsor. Click. <laughs> he goes off. He goes to Afghanistan and he starts a private war and shit. And it's pretty broad, but I will say uh, Brian F. O'Burn, the actor who like leads that storyline. Mm. He carries it well. Like, he's got, like, weight to him. Like, he looks like he's been around. Mm. And so the revelation that he's this ultra badass as opposed to just some kind of tough guy reads better than it would have than I think if you had cast most other people. Fair, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, and, and, well, and, and of course, he has to go af- back to Afghanistan to find his daughter, and yeah. that's that's where it sort of it starts to fall into place that his flash-forward might actually come true, or he's yeah. next to his living daughter in Afghanistan. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's talk... Okay, let's talk about uh, Joseph Fiennes and, um, and uh, Sonia, uh, Sonia Walger. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about their marriage. Let's not talk about the FBI investigation, right. because, again... He saw that he's drunk and that their marriage has collapsed, and she saw that she's sleeping with another man. Mm. A man she's never met. And in the pilot episode, there's a whole bunch of people who come into the ER that she has to take care of, and one of whom is is an autistic child. And that autistic child knows her name. That's because in that autistic child's flash forward, he was in her house because he's that guy's son. Mm. (laughs) Good little setup there. That's fun. I like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it turns out she recognizes the guy as this guy she's going to be, like, having an affair with or remarried to or something. And so she starts spending, like, half the season trying not to talk to him, <laughs> being, being really mean about it, too. It's like, uh, I have questions about my son's health condition. Fuck off, is basically what she says. And everyone's like, why are you being so mean to that guy? Because he's a jerk. Because I don't want to have an affair with him. I'm sorry. <laughs> But uh, every time she actually talks to him, he's actually quite nice. Mm. And, uh, you know, his wife died uh, in the blackout. She was driving or something, and so she died. And I now forgot, he's, I forgot how she died. She, but she died in the blackout, and now he's responsible for taking care of his son. And later on in the episode, he talks about how one of the reasons he let his marriage collapse is because he was afraid he wouldn't be able to take care of his son, of his son with special needs. Mm. And now it's, it's all on him, and he actually has to step up, and he feels super guilty about it even having to admit to that yeah and um good he owns up to it that's 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 strong character um so it's actually kind of a bummer when you find out that uh shit he caused the blackout (laughs) and uh him and dominic monaghan are scientists who work together and they start talking about how they caused the blackout dominic monaghan is sort of sort of this like lothario ladies man is like really kind of slithery Mm -hmm. not very honest about it he's so cool and so badass and so like sexy Mm. and i'm like i'm not buying any of this actually i like dominic monaghan fine but maybe remove one of those things (laughs) maybe not have him be a ladies man maybe not have him be cool how about he's he's cool and he's an insufferable flirt but you know he's just like gets slapped a lot he's just way too cool for anything and it comes to the point where like um uh lloyd simcoe the guy who's gonna sleep with olivia um he's just like you know i think we need to tell the world what happened and Dominic Monaghan is just like no <laughs> they'll they'll be mad <laughs> and Lloyd Simcoe's just like well who are you to play God and I'm like we killed 20 million people yeah, a lot of people died <laughs> we, if that's not a God what is and, Floyd, and so eventually he's like I'll make you a deal I'll play poker for it and so they play a poker game with telling the world what caused the blackout as the stakes and 
Sure enough, Dominic Monaghan actually does lose, and uh, Lloyd Simcoe gets to tell the whole world, yes, we caused the blackout, we think. And then it turns out later on, no, they didn't. Mm. Which is such crap. We spent like eight episodes yeah, look, building actual... up that this was the big thing, now, and then it, and then we just we just got to know those characters, and we like them now, so they can't be bad guys. What the fuck? No, uh, here... that feels like such a. The, it's a twist, but it's not a satisfying twist. Also, uh, uh, and the pro- the big problem is, who cares? It's like mm-hmm. okay, okay. It turns out you made a big machine that was that could do this. That mm-hmm. you know was, was could capture quantum singularities. Look, it's the Large the, Hadron uh, Collider. When we finally yeah. see the thing, it looks like the Large it's Hadron, the Hadron Collider. Collider. You may we, remember we turn it on and it caused this blackout. When and, there was a, there was a theory, a very thin mm-hmm. billion to one chance that when we turned on the Large Hadron Collider, it created a black hole and sucked the whole Earth into it. That's something people were scared of. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't happen, obviously, but. Basically, that's but what they, they went with. But the they found forward. the Higgs boson. Yeah. But you know what? It kind of reminds me of like in the 1960s, where everyone was talking about like nuclear radiation and shit, mm. and how like just Stan Lee used that for every superhero origin. Like, yeah. uh, how did the, the Hulk, Hulk get made? Radiation. Gamma radiation. Yeah. How did Daredevil get made? Radiation. radiation. How did the, the Spider-Man get made? Radiation. Radiation from a spider. How did the Fantastic Four get made? Space radiation. Because <laughs> it was just the buzz thing. Yeah. So just saying we turned on a large Hadron Collider and it caused they, the thing, that's fine. When, when, when they use the word quantum in a science fiction show, you know you're like already in bullshit territory. Yeah. So they have a quantum whatchamacallit and they were doing zippity-zoo with it. And mm. it doesn't... I think that's something that makes the whole sort of science fiction aspect of the show really unsatisfying is because it's really not important yeah. what caused it's it's the, pseudoscience. I think yeah. we want here's the deal. No, even dramatically, it I, doesn't really matter what caused it because people are already dealing with it and that's where all the drama is already coming here's from. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to say with this. Hmm. I think you need an explanation, but I think the explanation needs to be simple. Because if you don't yeah. have an explanation, people are going to want to know, and they're going to start thinking it's important when it's not. Right. So you explain it. Okay, we, we were doing a big experiment with energy waves and shit, and we turned it on, everyone blacked out. And then that was fine. I was fine with that. And then and we some, had to deal and, with the consequence of that, and there you go. And it turns out some people have a certain kind of brain that lets mm-hmm. them stay awake. And that's, yeah. and that's, or, that's all you or need. Or maybe yeah. someone sabotaged the machine. You could have played with that. Yeah. But that's all we need. But it turns out all they did was amplify some, a scientific experiment people were doing at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was intentionally trying to do all this. So the people we thought were so, villains aren't villains anymore. Uh, look, I understand you need to have like a big reveal halfway through the season. And yeah. like, it, you, you it looks keep like going. It, you keep looks like came to an end but Change it turns out there's a, a deeper mystery oh, that's something 24 did rather expertly a lot yeah. um where like halfway through the episode okay somebody has a nuclear bomb oh no somebody has a nuclear bomb what are we gonna do we gotta get the nuclear bomb xander berkeley has the nuclear bomb on a plane and he crashes it and it blows up but the season's half over now we have to find out the real villains behind it it's yeah like, okay, now real villains well real there was an, there was a whole like first third of a season of 24 where mm. it was all about a deadly virus and it turns out that was just a cover yeah for yeah. the real shut up come like, on the virus is enough <laughs> more <laughs> than enough think. Trust us, we know it's 2020. (laughs) A lot of shit going on. Yeah. Um, So so that whole thing's kind of bullshit, but uh, basically what happens is uh, Dominic Monaghan, he was a child prodigy, and he had been coming up with designs for stuff like this since he was 13, Mm. and the company that sort of funded his research and... Uh, you know, helped him get through all these fancy colleges. Uh, they have been exploiting his ideas since the early 90s mm. and doing like experiments with these blackouts and these flash forwards 
since the early fucking 90s. Mm. He didn't even know about it until just now. And uh, so a lot of it is trying to figure out who is behind the shadowy cabal that is peeking into the future and probably using it to do things like take advantage of stock markets, destabilize governments. There's all kinds of things you could do if you could look into the future, and that's what they've been doing. And that's when we discovered that there's a guy who is behind all of it. His name is D. Gibbons, uh, and he's the that's one who played the, by not, not Billy Dr- Drago. Bailey yeah. Drago. And, um, yeah, he has, seen, he has visited his own future hundreds of times, and he's come up with, like, a map of the future... We'll talk about that map because that map sucks. It's a shitty plot point. <laughs> it really fucking blows. Mm. But he's come up with. He knows well, he has a ti- his own personal yeah. timeline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. So they have to find a way to find out what caused uh, uh, the blackout, prevent it from happening again, um, and that's that. Also, uh, Lloyd and Olivia start spending more time together as the plot continues. Joseph finds gets grows further and further away from his wife. She gets pushed further and further into this mm-hmm. other guy's arms. And it turns out uh, that in most realities, she ends up with this other guy. And that's when we talk about the idea that we learn in a pretty big moment, like a really dramatic, huge moment, uh, whether or not the future is changeable. Mm. Uh, they don't tell you that for a while. And I think that was a smart play to yeah, not confirm yeah. whether or not the future is is certain or not. Like they, they are some people have been floating it. It's like, "Oh, and we changed this, but there's no not reason it really. won't change back." Yeah, yeah. And and uh, like uh, like um, Joseph Fine saw in his future that he was wearing a friendship bracelet his daughter made him. And so at the end of like episode 1 or 2 when his daughter gives him a friendship bracelet, he's like, "Oh, great." And then later on in the episode he's burning it and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I don't want that to happen. So he's trying people keep trying to stop their own futures. And it isn't until there's an ancillary character, an FBI agent, who we saw in his flash forward that he saw some files that might be useful for the investigation. Mm. We also saw that he got called away on a cell phone call. Finally, there's an episode in which you find out what he heard on that call. He had hit someone with his car and she had died and he couldn't live with the guilt of that. He like left two children an orphan. Or he made two children orphans. And so what he decides to do is I am going to save that woman's life. I'm going to save the future of those kids, and I'm going to prove that the future can be changed. I'm going to jump off a building. Mm. And he does it in the middle of the day, right on top of FBI headquarters in Los Angeles, and all his friends are like, no! But he's trying to make a noble sacrifice. And it's a huge moment, and it implies, oh shit, maybe the future is changeable. Certainly... And that's like episode, details are episode eight or so. It's yeah, like it's good, pretty, good chunk into the series. Deep into the series. Yeah, I was wondering if because there's a decent chance we wouldn't know the future is changeable until we get to April 29th. Mm. Turns out it's more complicated than that because towards the end of the season, it turns out that there are people who seem to have like avoided their fate. People who knew they were going to die at a certain time and didn't. And John, the, John Cho, <laughs> yeah, like John Cho, they, they, and we'll talk about John Cho in a minute. Oh, okay. He gets his own uh, yeah. storyline, but uh, there's a guy who is part of that sort of uh, living dead cult, right, right, uh, who has been going around killing people who avoided their fate because it breaks his reality. Like yeah. you, you can't fight fate. You think you survived? I'm sorry, you're gonna die. I'm gonna kill you. You know, so and he ends up killing the woman the guy killed himself to protect. Indirectly. <laughs> yeah. like, right, right. But like so the, there that is sucks. This, yeah, this kind of fate thing at work. Yeah, and it turns out like you can change fate, but it takes something really, really huge to do it. 
So there are some people whose visions of the future misalign. And at first, it seems like uh, for John Cho's character, who, fi- who doesn't have a, a future, mm-hmm. it seems like his future misaligns with his fiancés who sees that they're getting married. And it's posited that maybe we both saw different alternate futures. And we get to choose which one is real. And then gradually, once John Cho finally admits to her that he saw nothing, because at first he just says, I saw what you saw. Mm-hmm. When he finally admits to her that I saw nothing and I think I'm going to die, she starts questioning her flesh forward and she starts realizing, I didn't see him. I think we were at his funeral. Mm-hmm. She, she was just on a beach in a nice white gown. Yeah. She saw a group of people She far saw away. his family yeah. and she made assumptions. It's not an unreasonable assumption. But then she talks to his mom. And it turns out his mom was like, yeah, we were at his funeral. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't said anything because we didn't want to say anything because mm. it's awkward as fuck. <laughs> but um, John Cho is he's an FBI agent. His life is at risk all the time in this series. He's constantly running off to firefights and uh, yeah, adventures. Yeah. And John Cho, uh, thank goodness he's such a good actor. So because good. There, was, there is a, a real possibility that this character could have just been a, like a depressive dead weight around the series yeah. neck. Uh, John Cho, however, seems to be playing every scene where his like eyes are on business, but you can tell he's a little distracted. Yeah. I actually really like that his attitude about it changes over the course of the series. Yeah, yeah, there are yeah. times when he's just cavalier and thinks he can't die yet because he knows he's supposed to die March 15th. Mm. There are times when he's really depressed about it and really angry all the time. There are times when he actually just starts living with it and embracing it. Well, I guess I got to go sometime. Um it's he handles it really, really, really well, mm-hmm. I think, and it all leads to he finds out he's going to be killed on March fifteenth by Joseph Fiennes' gun mm. by Joseph by Fiennes. Joseph Fiennes. So he tries to have the gun destroyed. The gun is stolen from an evidence locker <laughs> and starts being used to kill random people. And he's mm. like, "What the shit is going on?" And finally, March fifteenth rolls around. He uh, says, "Listen." I know I'm supposed to die in Los Angeles. Let's just elope to Hawaii. And yeah. they're about to elope to Hawaii when he's kidnapped by not Billy Drago. And I'm going to look up the guy's name again because I keep forgetting it too. Michael Massey. Michael Massey. Kidnapped by Michael Massey. <laughs> and Michael Massey, who's seen the future hundreds of times, uh, tells him, listen, 75% of the time you live and I die. Mm. But I want to make it so that we both live this time. Mm. So he engineers this really elaborate hostage thing where Joseph Fiennes has to come in the middle of the desert and save John Cho. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the stupidest part of the show. It's pretty... Uh, well, where, but where it gets really stupid is where we see that he hasn't just kidnapped John Cho. He's, he's locked him into a saw machine. Yeah, like the movie the movie Saw. So he's on like this like weighted device, and if he shifts his weight too much in any direction... Joseph Fine's gun has been put into a weird mechanical machine (laughs) and it will and it will kill him Hmm. if he moves too much. And also he's right in front of this giant painted mural of every potential future, which is basically the key to the basically it's the Bible for the whole series. (laughs) When Joseph Fine finally finds him and it's this whole complicated fucking thing that involves decoding shit and guessing what's inside chess pieces or whatever. When they finally get. And he finally gets in there and he saves John Cho and he manages to t- 
turn the device just enough. It kind of crushes his hand a little bit, but he can turn it a he little bit. He can turn bit, it a little yeah, bit, so, so. It, so it will go off, but it'll just miss John Cho. So he has, he's actually technically technically squeezing the trigger of his own gun. Yeah, but, but not. But still, so he could could consent. So there's the moment where it's like, well, you could conceivably pull your own trigger and actually yeah. kill me. It's like, yeah, but it's the machine is on my hand. But it turns out that when he actually removes John Cho from that weighted plate, hmm. in addition to the gun going off, it causes like a sprinkler system to erase the entire mural. Yeah. So it was all bullshit. <laughs> and the only the thing he got nothing. The only thing he got was like at one distant point in the future, there's like nothing after that. And I don't know if that's the end of his visions or the end of the world. And I'm like, God damn it. Picture phones. Take a picture, you fucking like oh interesting. Click, Click. now I'll save John Cho. <laughs> Maybe save John Cho first. But regardless. Click! Ow, my hand is stuck. You know, my other hand is free. Hang on a second. Click. Ow, ow, ow. John Cho, spot for me, honey. Do yeah. the do the do the lips. <laughs> Little duck face. Sexy yeah. duck face. Um John Cho survives, but again, as we learn, the future is kind of the future kind of wants to happen. Mm. So like all these people whose lives may have been spared are getting killed, and maybe John Cho will. He will not. Although apparently in the original plan for the series he did. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, the other thing that happened with him is that he and um, oh, what's her name, uh, Janice Hawk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the FBI agent uh, who is uh, mm. uh, not only gay but pregnant uh, in the future. She has to conceive the baby at a certain time. It's because they want Be- that specific baby. She wants that. Yeah. She doesn't just want to have a baby in the future. She wants to have that baby. She's going to attach the the idea and memory of having that baby. But in order to do that, she needs to get pregnant at a certain time. Problem is, during that certain time, both she and John Cho have been kidnapped in Somalia. So John Cho, thinking I'm probably going to die anyway, agrees to sire her child. And now he's alive, and it's awkward. And he tells his fiance Gabrielle Union, who is understandably pissed for a variety of reasons. And so she leaves him. And that's basically the end of their story. He starts getting yeah. involved in, like, the end of the season. We'll talk about the end of the season in a minute. Um, but uh, the main focus of the series is Joseph Fiennes and his investigation. And his investigation runs from kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, interesting revelation, a few cool mystery elements. But frankly, it's the albatross around this show's neck. It just it's, keeps going on and on. And oh it, no, if again, I, it's, I didn't it's look the, at the board the right direction. I got to turn yeah. my head to the right, and all of a sudden, everything. And the problem is, <sighs> the revelations aren't that interesting. It's like when they first reveal, oh, someone was walking around. Okay, that's an interesting mystery. That's a big mystery. Uh, it's it's that's a big a mystery, one. and I think it would have been better if. They had found that person. It's like, oh, we found who this person was, and they were wearing this coat, and we went to the yeah. coat makers, whatever it is they had to do, yeah. and they found who, whoever this mysterious person was, and their answer was, I don't know. Yeah. I was awake, and I don't know. Have a piece of my brain. Study me. I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah. So that would be a good way to sort of solve a mystery without giving too much away, and also without uh, dipping into the finding secret chess pieces and saw machines that that not Billy Drago set up for us. Yeah, and there's all kinds of, like, really conventional TV melodrama Mm. spy shit. Like, there's a whole episode dedicated to a mole hunt like yeah, every time we discover something you know, like, new about this about this conspiracy, yeah. the bad guys show up and blow us all to hell. Uh, by this point in the series, we've met a few other like minor characters. Like Michael Ely shows up as a CIA agent. Hey, by the way, Michael Ely's in the show. <laughs> by the way, Michael Ely is a fucking awesome guy. Yeah. Also, we find out that there was a double agent who was this sort of like 
eighth main character named Marcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once she's discovered as a double agent, she goes on this crazy killing spree, just yeah. kill, like shooting everybody. But like the second thing she does is shoot Seth MacFarlane. By the way, Seth, Seth MacFarlane is in, in the, the show. show. <laughs> he shows up in like a scene and a half. He shows up like in two episodes. Yeah. He's just some random guy who just works there. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's, it's this weirdly expansive, really ambitious show that deals with a lot of big ambitious ideas. And occasionally gets too afraid to go the full nine. It is frustrating. Uh, so, yeah. The, um, and then, of course, there's uh, the, the FBI agent, the one who was pregnant. Uh, she, yeah. it turns she's out, out she's, she's a double mole. She's a double mole. Yeah, she, it turns out she's not just working for the FBI, but also the CIA. And that's where and also the bad comes guys. into the show. See, and, at yeah. first it seems like she's one of the bad guys. And uh, then they wait like three episodes before realizing that the CIA recruited her to be recruited by the bad guys. Yeah. So we get to have that twist, but also still like her. Yeah. It gets, starts getting really convoluted and annoying at that point, mm. frankly. But I love Lee Garlington. I uh, love Lee Garlington, too. <laughs> yeah, Lee Garlington, uh, who you may remember her as the woman in Sneakers, uh, who said, Elena I leave a message Rishkoff, on your service, yeah. but you do not call. Dr. Uh, Elena Rishkoff. Yeah, be a beacon. Um... <laughs> She she plays like uh 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 she plays her uh the the mole double moles contact yeah she 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 runs an aquarium store and so every this woman so she comes in and she's just like you're gonna come into me every week you better get an aquarium yeah, what do you like, think about I, tetras like I, I, I hate fish nope you're gonna get fish otherwise you come back here all the time well why don't you get another store. <laughs> <laughs> I like fish. Because I like fish. Listen, I started out as a fishmonger. They recruited me for spy stuff afterwards. Fish are my first passion. I'm making that up. This, I wish I would have been in the show. Though. This way I can do both. Yeah. But yeah, we're focusing on that. We're focusing on the will they or won't they of Joseph finds his marriage. It's not the most interesting part of the show. And there are some surreal things that don't quite pay off. Do you remember the kangaroo? Yeah, okay. So one of the things that in the pilot episode is uh, you know a whole bunch of random shit happens. Uh, like a bunch of wild animals escape from like a zoo or, yeah, or like a truck or something. And, yeah. and so throughout the pilot, Joseph Fiennes keeps running into a kangaroo that's just loose in Los Angeles. Then they forget about it after an episode or two. Mm. And then in the final episode of the season, the kangaroo is back. I'm like, A, they never found that kangaroo. B, that is not a full-size kangaroo. It didn't grow in seven months. C, what's that kangaroo been eating? I have a lot of questions about that kangaroo. But they don't actually bother. They don't actually bother. The season ends in a big episode, like huge. It's like the end of Strange Days. April 29th has become this like huge event. Everyone's waiting to see if their futures came true. Mm. Jake Johnson shows up for like one scene just to get in a bar fight with Joseph Fiennes. There's like a couple people who just randos who just show up. Mm. Like all of a sudden, Annabeth Gish is in the show. Cool. Kind of random, but okay. Um... And uh, it's, we know that there's going to be a big assault on FBI headquarters where the bad guys go in and try to kill everybody, never mind why. We also learn that there's going to be another flash forward, and it's going to come like 12 minutes after everyone's like vision of their future. Like mm. it, it, The vision of the future is at 10. At like 10.14, there's going to be another flash forward. They only have like seconds to get ready, and that's actually pretty suspenseful. And of course, it sets us up for a huge season two. Yeah. 
Appreciate that. That's fine. That's a good setup I, I for a season two. We got a, through the first season. We need to do something different. It's a time. good setup. It doesn't feel. Uh, it doesn't feel too forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it kind of progressed there nat- uh, naturally, and yep. we had enough characters along the way to have multiple perspectives on what was going on, so that it wasn't sort of the central focus of the whole show. Yeah. In terms of the long game, I guess by design, mm-hmm. a, a show that deals with looking into the future, flash forward planned everything very well. Mostly, I yeah. feel like they, they they did a lot of setups and payoffs incredibly well. It was yeah. essentially trying to fill in the cracks that got them a little loused up. Yeah, every time they had to pad out an episode, it really felt like they just had to pad out an yeah. episode. But when people were just actively dealing with what I saw in my flash forward mm-hmm. scares me, I have to either fight it or accept it or... Anytime they were dealing with that, it's really, really strong. And again, this goes back to the earliest storytelling traditions that we like have like on record. Like seriously, Greek tragedy. They they name check Oedipus once, but they didn't have to. Like it's all right in yeah. there. Where if, if you know the story of Oedipus, Oedipus is um, a soothsayer uh, visits Oedipus. A soothsayer visits a yeah. uh, uh, well, it visits a, a guy and says, "You will uh, kill your father and marry your mother." Mm. But what he does, and so immediately he runs away from his mother and father, not realizing that that wasn't his real mother and father. He had he been lost like, as a child. Ends up killing somebody else who turned out to be his father. And marrying marrying, that some, marrying yeah. somebody else who turned out to be his mom. Whoops. So a lot of Greek stories are about people knowing the future, knowing what's going to happen, and being powerless to stop it. Fa- uh, flash Forward manages to be about that, but also deal with stuff that, you know, the future might not be set. The idea is that the future is kind of a series of probabilities. And... It's, you know, the closer you get, like the nearer to the future, the fewer probabilities there are. Mm-hmm. Like, if I told you I was going to meet you for coffee at five, it's kind of two probabilities. I will or I won't. Right. But I probably will. I made the agreement, right? Like, so I'll be there. Mm. Whereas, well, whereas in seven months I'll meet you for coffee, there's a lot of things that can happen in seven months, you know? So, like, uh, the further away you are, the more likely it is that things will shift. But... Regardless, now you're thinking about it. Now you want it to happen. Now you're subconsciously making it happen. And now you're just trapped with whatever future you saw. Here's how you you sort of wrap everything up. First of all, you cut down some of that FBI stuff. And you add a character who is a college professor Mm -hmm. who kind of serves as maybe the Greek chorus. Mm. Who will occasionally just be giving a lecture about fate. No, uh, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Okay. I I like that, but, but let's pull that back. Instead of going back to constantly having a lecture which is going to get old after the third time here's what you do you have someone who because they what they do is they create this database of people's flash forwards so that people can connect online see if like did anyone else see what i saw maybe Mm. it's significant maybe it relates to the investigation maybe it relates to someone who's going to die or live or whatever you have someone who isn't just like putting that in a database you have someone who's, like, cataloging that. You have, like, an Errol Morris who's interviewing people. Oh, okay, or, yeah. or someone writing a book or something like that. An excuse to meet new people. Hmm. And maybe have Who someone... characters. Again, just yeah. comments. And yeah. so that way, when you have to fill out an episode, you don't have to add a bunch of crazy shit that would get rejected from an episode of 24. You can just meet a new character that day. Yeah. And just tell one self-contained story about someone dealing with the idea of fate. Of which there is no shortage of good stories. Mm. I think that would have been yeah. strong. I try to incorporate this like ongoing narrative, but add elements of episodic television in order to occasionally do a good done in one story. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Because that's one of those problems where like if you're just not into one of these subplots, 
you're going to have to deal with it once in a while. Yeah. You're and, just going to get stuck with that subplot. And especially if the subplot is sort of gives gives all the sort of uh, dramatic subtext and mm-hmm. you know actual heft to this subplot being the one that's sort of propping up the show and that's the one you're not interested in yeah. the whole show is going to stagger and unfortunately they did that with their least interesting subplot great. that's a great idea to have like occasional one-off episodes where yeah. we just sort of talk to somebody yeah or you know maybe they're very tangentially connected that'd be fine like no, that'd be fine. there's a lot of interconnectivity yeah. in the story uh also this can uh start some really great conversations about whether or not you believe in fate yeah uh dear listener what do you think of fate mm-hmm. is there fate or are we completely free how much free will is involved here yeah i think i i i kind of expressed my my thoughts already i think we're mostly most of us are going in a direction mm-hmm and if we don't make an active choice to change that direction, we might not have fate, but the odds of us going in that direction are pretty set, are pretty yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it, I think it's a combination. Uh, some things will definitely happen, and some things won't. Some things you get to change. Uh, the uh, I look at it as, many, many, many many as a river. Of, We're going to yeah. get there, but who knows how? Where like, the, in the river? How long? It'll yeah, take, where the yeah. leaves are going to float. All of that is mm-hmm. is inconsequential. But mm-hmm. at some point, that earthquake was going to be an earthquake, no matter what. Exactly. You know, like uh, that was probably going to happen eventually. You know, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche believed that uh, there was there was no such thing as free will because. Yeah. He essentially said the human mind isn't creative enough. Mm. That we can't sim- we can't create the world as we go. Our minds aren't strong enough. Mm. We're essentially kind of programmed from youth up into adulthood to think and behave a certain way. So you can reasonably predict what any individual is going to do based on what they're prepared to do. Right. It's like, what, what are you going to do? Well, I only have a finite number of things I can do because I only know how to do a finite number of things. True. It's like, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and just simply... You know, go to a place I've never heard of because I've heard of that place. That's true. I don't uh, think that takes into consideration the uh, wild randomness of the universe mm-hmm. and how you might only have so many options, but that doesn't mean only so many things can happen to you. Well, yeah, many things can happen to me, but yeah. you can also pr- reasonably predict a lot of elements about a person's future. Fair uh, you know, because they're only thinking in certain terms. Yeah. Uh, th- that was the Nietzsche thing, and then there's also people like Calvin who believed that everything was predestined, and that you know who knows who knows who what everything was. Well, God. So you know, God is about complete predestination. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people believe that no matter where you are on your walk, that's where you're supposed to be right now. And a lot of people can take comfort from that. A lot of people can be frustrated by mm-hmm. that. Uh, a and lot I of, like yeah. that there's a show that's basically about philosophy. Exactly, it's, and it's based on it a for philosophical yeah. idea, which is why I thought they should have put in like a philosophy professor mm-hmm. to talk about. Well, that ver- could be the various- person writing that book, for example. Uh, like that was my thought. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Just looking for various perspectives on fate as we're going through this show about fate, rather than going off on these silly spy subplots, which feel like studio notes, frankly. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's way too much emphasis. I like having them because of course people would be interested mm-hmm. and of course people would want to exploit the situation and yeah. of course uh uh there would definitely be adventures to be had but yeah it feels like an implausibly large part of the story when the more interesting stuff for me is the human drama which literally every character is going mm-hmm. through whether we talk to them or not that's something that interests me every time i'm watching like a scene and flash forward and there's like a crowd of people mm-hmm. every single person is going through something right now yeah, 
Every single person saw their future, and even if they didn't see anything interesting, they're now suddenly aware of the possibility of the fantastic, because they did see the future. Mm. It's a different world, man. Yeah. yeah different yeah. world. Um, if Flash Forward had gone on for 100 episodes, I actually wouldn't be surprised. They've got a pretty good format going here right now, which is it's possible to create this event again, mm. and as a result, every once in a while it can happen. Yeah. And it can totally shift everything, and expectations can be... There's a good bit at the end I like where um, they know the blackout is coming, and Dominic Monaghan has, like, two of those rings that allow you to just not go to sleep. It's it's a it's, literal magic ring. It's you a literal magic ring. And, and it like, protects you from the blackout. Yeah, it's stupid. What are you going to do? But he says, like, I'm going to put this damn thing on. And he says, I got another one. You're the only other person in the room. You want it? And John Cho takes it, and it's like... Actually, no, I didn't get a future last time. I kind of want to see what it's like. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of like that. And, and he's just like, I'm just going to sit down so I don't fall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to ride this one out. And I kind of like that. I thought that was a really nice way of handling it. Like, maybe there are some people who would be, I'd be interested. Absolutely. I don't think I would want I to, like, fall res- down a staircase or no, anything. Yeah, I, yeah. Want, I want some prep time. Like, give me, give me a couple of minutes to turn off my car and, yeah. <laughs> you know, rest my head down somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, like, I'm interested. That's an exciting prospect. And every single time you do it, it leads to potential new drama. Um, I think there are darker stories that could be explored here. I had a theory for a while because uh, Nicole sees herself being murdered Mm. and we don't know who it is. It just looks like some, you know, we see the guy through the water, but he's just, you know, kind of general looking white dude. And then uh, we see that her, like, path is intertwining with uh, Dr. Bryce. Uh Oh, and but at this point we haven't seen what he saw in his future. We haven't seen what he saw in his future that made him like have this new perspective. We also don't know why he wanted to kill himself yet. And for a minute, my theory got real dark, which is he he was ki- going to kill himself because he felt like he was going to become a serial killer and he couldn't handle it. But then he <laughs> saw himself in the future killing Nicole, uh-huh. and he felt really good. And it was going to be like this really dark storyline. Like, it could have gotten real creepy. Like, yeah, there's well, some creepy storylines you could have told oh, here. And they absolutely. didn't really touch on that. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But maybe there could be a Halloween episode at some point. Or, or I, I would love for there to be, an, like, it's like I, I had this weird vision that uh, that there were vampires, all like really right. pale vampires. And they had a lot of fans. Turns out they were, like, watching a movie or, or something. Or they were making yeah. a movie. Like, there was this big wide shot in a vampire yeah, epic, and they were an extra. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you, but you were a vampire. So like, okay, what? What are you talking about? And it turns out, hey, you want to be my vampire film? <laughs> funny story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do I get, like, makeup and fangs? Oh, okay. This is going to be funny. Watch. Watch. Oh, my God. Um, so yeah, uh, that's Flash Forward. Uh, Whitney, was Flash Forward canceled too soon? Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, I, I think it was incredibly strong. I liked the writing and I liked the acting. It clearly had enough clout to get a lot of great actors. Mm-hmm. Dajlu and Ricky Jay and... Mm, so many good actors. Yeah, just all, all of these people. Seth MacFarlane, rather bizarrely. Mm-hmm. Michael Ely. So, yeah, they're clearly thinking on big terms. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if it had continued... My fear would that it it would sort of disappear down that sort of lost rabbit hole where everything's a little too... And this was came after Lost, so it's clearly trying to imitate a lot of that mystery. Oh, yeah. uh, they wanted to get you talking. But I think they were smart enough and they were thinking ahead enough, unlike J.J. Abrams, <laughs> that it actually stood up really well as a show about its bigger ideas rather than about its small plot points. Yeah, I think when you have this many storylines and they're trying to kind of blend this many genres, you got a doctor genre, a science genre, a love story, a FBI story, a conspiracy story. Mm. 
you get this many things all going at the same time, mm-hmm. something might be a dud. And in this case, parts of it were. But the parts that worked worked so well that, and I think it's a structure that could be repeated as long as you keep the flash forwards interesting enough. Enough that, yeah, I think this definitely could have at least lasted a couple more seasons and stayed very, very strong. Also, I just want to see more of Los Angeles. This show is shot in Los Angeles. Like, Aww. really, really shot in Los Angeles. Not like we shot in Los Angeles in the pilot and then we moved to, like, Canada. Mm. There's a lot of things here. And one thing I noticed is that they shot a lot at Disney. Not on, like, they don't really have a back lot. They just uh-huh. shot at, like, the corporate buildings. And so they would, like, go around the corner. And, like, we, we've, like, been to screenings at the Disney lot or I've done, like, junkets there. And I'm, like, this place, this whole scene where, like, Olivia is getting a coffee and she meets this, like, savant who's already seen the future and knows what she's going to do. Oh, I hate the savants. I know. It was, that bit was terrible. Yeah. But, uh, because they never know how to... T- treat that role with dignity um but like i know like this whole bit where she's getting coffee at a stand if the camera moved an inch to the left you'd see a giant mickey mouse statue Mm. like and like the hospital is just the building where the animation studio is and this one part where a guy's standing on in front of like a movie theater is just the press theater at the disney lot yeah (laughs) like there's tons of stuff like this the one thing that was weird though and i realized why they couldn't do it uh, the federal building in Los Angeles is kind of hard to miss, mm. and they did not shoot there. It's the DWP building, I think. Yeah, they did. They shot at a place that's a good-looking building. Don't get me wrong; like it looks mm. like it could be a federal building, but it's just not. And if you live in LA, you know what it you looks know like. Where the federal building is. It's, yeah. yeah, down on it's where on you have to get your passport. Yeah. It's where the FBI are actually housed here. And uh, yeah, so it's like I. That's just not even close. That's like in downtown. Like the federal building is in mm. Westwood. That's so weird. Um, so like little things like that are fun and also annoying for for LA, yeah like I I know like oh I've been to that restaurant that that whole like final sequence takes place in where oh, yeah. the doctor and the and the Keiko oh. meet like I've been there okay you know like yeah I, I grew up here I know Little Tokyo rather well so like that's kind of fun I also like when they pretend that like places in LA are not in LA like mm. Linda Vista Psychiatric Hospital which I don't think they use anymore in movies I think they might have shut it down Oh right yeah. but there's this there's this disused psychiatric hospital they shot a lot of movies they there They shot a ton of movies there big movies small movies they perhaps they don't charge a lot mm. but like yeah it's this disused hospital so if it's been used in a ton of movies lots of scary movies in particular mm. just like full of creepy hallways and shit and, like, so, like, there's just this scene where two FBI agents are just like, oh, we need to go to this hospital in South Carolina. Walk over to Linda Vista. And it's just yeah. like, okay, yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Anyway. But, yeah, Flash Forward's really good. And it was definitely canceled too soon. Yeah. And uh, that is it for this episode of Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we'll be back next week with a very special episode uh, because it has been another year of Cancel Too Soon. And we need to do the Cancel Too Soon Awards. The Soonies. Yeah. They're back. Yeah. Every year uh, on about the anniversary of when we started Cancel Too Soon, we like to look back at the year's worth of television series that we reviewed. And we like to look at the best shows, the best performances, the best like early appearances by actors who would eventually become famous, the best themes music and we also like to give our listeners an opportunity to vote for the best episode of canceled too soon so 
Uh, when this that, episode that is the best episode we gave you, yeah, not necessarily and not the best, the best show that we covered on the show. Yeah, we're not interested necessarily in what the best show was because we highly doubt that most of our listeners are watched them all, all of the shows with us. the same way we are. That's a lot of responsibility. We don't want to throw that mm-hmm. on you. We just want to know what you thought the best episode of the Cancel Too Soon podcast was, and very specifically, Cancel Too Soon. Mm-hmm. We're not asking you to vote for a critically acclaimed episode or episode zero or anything like that. Um, so we are going to set up a page at our Patreon, and this Patreon page will be open to everybody. We want everybody to have an opportunity to vote, hmm. uh, at least for the best episode. Yeah. And uh, we are going to select one person uh, to pick a future episode of Cancel Too Soon. So if you vote, and again, you don't have to be a Patreon member to vote. Everyone gets to vote, including uh, uh, Patreon members and non-Patreon members. We want you to go into the comments section. I'll start the page. I'll put a link up on our Twitter at Critic Acclaim if you don't already have it linked. We want you to give us your top three episodes of Cancel Too Soon. Give us your top three. What, like what, what, which of our discussions was the most interesting? Which one did you like the most? And mm-hmm. we use this to sort of dictate like what types of shows we should do in the future, what everyone likes. Give us your top three. Mm-hmm. I will tally those, those up. We will announce the winners. And uh, when all is said and done, when we do the show, we will announce who, maybe it will be a Patreon subscriber, maybe it won't, who will get to tell us what show to do on Cancel Too Soon in the very near future. Only a few rules apply. Obviously, we can't have done it already. And obviously, we need to be able to find the show. And obviously, it needs to meet our rules of one season or less. Other than if that, if you have something that's like game. a little on the edge, maybe you can talk us into it. Yeah, like, uh, we're we're pretty reasonable. We just we don't want to like do like oh I, this three season show is like okay that's pushing it, mm. but we'll talk and we just you you get an opportunity to do any yeah, show we, you we, want. We are re- somewhat flexible, yeah. <laughs> we um, do, but we do have rules. So that's uh, that will be uh, next week. So everybody uh, check out the Patreon page. The link should be up uh, in the page for this episode. Uh, the link should also be up on Patreon, and I'll put the link up on Critically Acclaimed's Twitter and also our Facebook page. Yes. So it should be pretty easy to find. Uh, you can follow us at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. And uh, after our big awards show, we'll be back uh, with a television series that we're going to review. <laughs> As is our want. Yeah, we're going to be reviewing, uh, just because it's fun, uh, we're going to be reviewing the 1995 television series of Nancy Drew. It was a Nancy Drew TV series in the 90s. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known show now. It was a huge show in the 1970s. It kind of went through withdrawals for a while, but there was a show, it was a one-season wonder in the 90s. I have no memory of, and I can't wait to check it out. Mm. So that will be what we do after... Uh, that and then we should have another poll up on Patreon exclusively for Patreon members to decide uh, an episode of the show after that. So uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for your patience. Very much thank you for your patience. And that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. (laughs) 